Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning. The Holy Spirit is here. Amen. I felt it in my soul when Candace prayed, you're worthy of all, Lord. Take my mortgage. <laughs> Look. Look, Lord, if you could just take this mortgage. In Jesus' name. I'm so glad to be home with you guys. I'm excited to be speaking with you this morning. We're going to talk about a lot this morning. We're going to dive into the scriptures. Um, but first, I, you know, I can't get up here and preach or teach without telling you another story in this saga I call my life. So this is, this is really fun. In 2002, I was about nine years old. And me and my dad and my two older brothers, uh, two of my older brothers, uh, lived in North New Jersey in a one-bedroom apartment. You probably heard that story. It was we had kind of a, a, a hallway for a kitchen, and my dad was dealing with um, kidney failure, so he was going to Alice's. And every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning at 4 a.m., he'd get up for that 5:30 a.m. dialysis appointment. Now, my, my dad was a veteran, so he was a very regimented man. Uh, he did the same thing every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. He'd get up, uh, and we all slept in this uh, kind of like same bed, king-size bed. Um, and I always took the wall because I didn't want to be bothered with my other two brothers. And so we would, and so he would, he would sleep on the outside. And um, every every Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, he got up at 4 a.m. and I'm. I am a kind of a light sleeper, but more so than that, I'm a little bit nosy. So I'd wake up and I would kind of pretend like I was sleeping to see what he was doing. And every morning, every one of those mornings, he did the same thing. He hit his knees. He'd get out of bed. And before he went to the restroom, before he did anything, he got on his knees to pray. And he'd pray for resources. He'd pray for strength. Um, we didn't have a lot of money, and he was we were on fixed income because he uh, was on dialysis, and so we didn't have a lot of money. So he he prayed for resources, he prayed for strength, and most of all, he prayed for his kids. He prayed for us. Every morning he'd get up and he'd do that, and then he'd open his Bible, cut on his nightlight, uh, and read whatever his passage was from the scriptures that day. Then. Um, this particular morning that I'm remembering in my mind, one of these mornings, he'd get up and he put on these blue jeans. He put on a blue shirt uh, from when he ran for city council. I bet you didn't know that. My dad ran for city council in North New Jersey. Pretty cool. Um, he, ran, he ran for city council. He didn't, he didn't win, but he ran. Uh, he ran for city council. He put on the, the matching hat to go with it, shoes. Um, and some of you men out here may appreciate this. He put on cool water cologne. Yeah. I see more wives nodding their head than men. Yeah, I like that smell. 
He put on, put on, put on cool water cologne and he tiptoed his way out of the house to go on dialysis. There's not a lot of my life that I remember uh, without my dad being sick. Um, 24 years um, that I got to spend with my father. Um, and I always said that it's unfortunate because he lived in the consequences of a life before Jesus. He had a whole life, obviously, before I was born. He had me when I was, oh, he had me when he was 33, I believe. And he had a whole life before Jesus, and he got saved shortly before I was born. And um, he lived most of my lifetime in, in a life uh, dealing with the consequences of, you know, before Christ. Um, but there's one thing about that, that that marked me and it changed me for my whole life. Even though he was living in the consequences of his actions, I saw him live a sacrifice of praise. That was his life, a sacrifice of praise. We're going to continue in our series uh, on the sending. We've been calling it Creed, God, you are my father and I will follow you. I am chosen, forgiven, redeemed, and restored. I'm broken and mending and called by the Lord. I taught on I'm a leader and I'm a multiplier. I'll pray and I'll love. And I live as a steward of what God has done. I worship King Jesus in spirit and truth and give every day God as praise just to you. That's where we are this morning. That's a good place to say amen. That's a nice sending. That's a nice benediction. So, so we're going we're gonna to start there this morning. If you have your, um, your Bible, your internet device, a program that you got on the outside, uh, we're going to be in Deuteronomy. Uh, did I say that right? I hope I, did. I hope I said that right. It's a tongue twister. Um, chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 1. Let me go find it. Can we also just, I know he doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm disobedient. Can we just honor Pastor Kelly? And, and, and the Williams for being back. Yeah. That's my friend. Go, best friend. Our goal today, our goal today is to understand better how God sustains us and why our understanding of him sustaining us is pivotal to obedience and praising him every single day. To shorten that, we need to understand why it's important for us to worship and praise him every day. That's, that's pivotal to our walk with the Lord. If we're going to walk with him every day, then we need to understand why or, or when or how. Does that make sense? Okay, we're going to dive in with verse 1. Father, help me to preach this and teach this in Jesus' name. Verse 1 says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. This is Moses and God talking to the Israelites, the nation of Israel. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. Okay, we'll stop right there. The, fo- the word that I want to focus on is the word whole. 
We see this word whole twice uh, in the first two verses of the chapter. That word whole in the Hebrew uh, is kind of the same context we use it in. It means totality, fullness, everything. Uh, But there's a cause and effect clause to the first verse. He says, do the whole commandment, three words, that you may. So the cause is, do the commandment. The effect will be that you may. That you may what? We'll get to that in a minute. Like a parent to children, the distinction is made in order to uh, live and multiply and conquer and possess the land, you've got to do the whole commandment. There's a contingency to the promise. Does that make sense? And we, and this is something that we love to do as humans. We love to claim the promises of God over our lives, over our families, over, over everything that belongs to us, right? We love to say this kind of stuff. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. We love to do that, but we're not quick with obedience. This is something that we love to do. We love to say, God, you said you were going to do this. You're going to provide. You're going um, to give me this thing I've been asking for. You're going to provide all my needs. You're going to do all this stuff. And then God is saying, hey, I didn't need you to do this. And it's like, wait a minute, Lord. You get what I'm saying? Has anybody ever been there? I'm learning in my life. This is something I'm learning at 29 years old. I'm learning that delayed obedience is disobedience. Okay, that side doesn't get me. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Amen? My mom is a chef, and if my mom told me to take the chicken out, I'm going to cook, and then I waited until an hour before she got home to take the chicken out, was I obedient? No. A lot of you parents get this, and I'm, I am a, um, I guess, a, in, quote, in quotations, I am a, a puppy parent. As of, as of four or five days ago, she's precious. And I'm, and I'm learning, I'm learning how to like, you know, kind of be a little bit more patient when I have to tell her to stop chewing the turf 50 billion times. And she wasn't obedient the first time. You see what I'm saying? Like you as, like you as parents, I know a lot of you understand this. And I know a lot of you understand that the more frustrated you get with an instruction, the steeper the consequences for disobedience. Is that, is that fair? The steeper the consequences for, for disobedience if you just continue to get frustrated. Take the trash out. Take the trash out. Take, take the trash out. Take the trash out. That's... Just so you know, that's the context of Deuteronomy 8. They've been in the desert for 40 years. Just to give you a little bit of context, the Israelites have been in the desert for 40 years. They're about to end that. At the end of this book, at the end of that last book, Moses is going to be laid to rest. The, The mantle of leadership will fall to Joshua. And they're going to be in the promised land. They're going to be closer to the promised land than they've ever been. And in this chapter, in chapter 8, in most of, most of this book, in fact, God is like repeating himself what he's repeated for the last 40 years. So you can imagine, in my mind, this is how I process it. In my mind, God is like, 
don't forget. Okay? That's, that's all you have to do. Don't forget what I did. Are we good? And that's kind of, and that's kind of the tone. I mean, it sounds, I mean, it sounds funny, but that's, that's kind of the tone of this, of this passage. I, I remember being a rough kid in school. I was not the easiest kid in school. And God is very funny because he had me marry a kindergarten teacher. So there's that. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, I wasn't a, the best behaved kid in school. Um, I was the kid that you tell your, your kid not to, like, don't talk to Aaron. He'll get you in trouble. That was me. And so every year, and my mom will appreciate this, every year my mom will have with me the talk. And the talk went a little something like this. Okay, Brand is good, Dizelle's good, we know. Aaron. We're not going to have the same year that we did last year, right? We're going to behave. No talking back to the teacher, right? No ISS, no suspension, no skipping school, right? Right? And I'm like, yep. Yep, I'm going to be a model. And let me tell you, let me tell you, let me, let me be honest with you. Be honest with you. I had the best intentions. If I was graded on my intentions, I would have been an AB honor roll student. I just, I loved like that little nod. Like, yes, I'm going to be good. And it's going to be great. You're going to get no calls. In fact, you may get calls about how good I was. Like that's, this is, I went to school every year with this intention and about the three week to a month mark. Whoa, what'd you talk about? What was, what was the, what was the talk about again? Shouldn't talk about to my teacher? Scratch that. That's out the door. ISS, I've been ISS for three out of four weeks. That's out the door. Like I, I forgot very quickly. I quickly forgot the agreement I made with my mom and the consequences that happened if I forgot. And just in case you thought, well, that's not me. That was the whole nation of Israel for 40 years. The whole nation of Israel was like that. Like, well, well God, you never provide for us. I literally gave you manna this morning that fell from the sky. Like, you see what I'm, like, like we dealt with it, we deal with this, and you deal with it in your lives, I deal with it in my lives. And so this is all the context of what we, of what we see, but we want to look at, we want to look at something that the Lord says, or that, or that Moses says in the first verse. I love this, or in verse two. He says, and you shall remember, someone say it. The whole way. The whole way. You shall remember the whole way that what? That the Lord led, that the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So my first point this morning in asking the question is, how do we do this? How do we live this life? How do we worship 
in spirit and truth and give every day, God, as praise just to you? How do I do that? First off, you do it the whole way. You do it the whole way. Like I said, delayed obedience is disobedience. Furthermore, incomplete obedience is not obedience at all. You got to do it the whole way. And that's what he's asking. That's what he's asking of us. Keep in mind that they're almost to the promised land. For the Israelites, the promise of God was attached to a geographical location. And it was at that point occupied by other nations. Yet, someone say yet. They experienced the benefit of God's presence all the time. They were in the middle of the wilderness, but so was God. That's good news for you. For the person that is, feels like you're in your wilderness season, God doesn't you know, abandon ship when you go to the wilderness. He's there. And he's active and he's moving within it. So that begs me to ask the question, where's the promise? Where's the promise? Is the, is the promise the destination or the journey? Which, which one? Is he, is, he in the, is, he in the, is he in the journey? The, the step-by-step, the day-to-day, the, the, the mundane, the, the, the monotony of it? Or do you have to wait to get to the land of milk and honey to experience his presence? I'd, I'd argue that it's the former. That his presence is the promise. And if you go into the promised land, this is, a little, this is for free, this is a little side note. If you, if you go to the promised land, not understanding the weight and the glory and the privilege of his presence, you'll forget about him when you make it big. You'll forget. Amen? Amen. Let's read chapter 8, 3 through 5. And he humbled you and let you hunger and and then fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he may make you know, we've all heard this before, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is is something I love for those of us who are weary this morning. Your clothes did not wear out on you. (laughs) Your clothes didn't wear out on you, and your feet did not swell for 40 years. Amen. Amen to that. Your feet didn't swell for 40 years. So know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. I want to I camp on that word heart there, because that word heart. He says, know then in your heart. Why your heart? Why your heart? Why not your mind? God knows that the seat of everything important to us is in our heart. Jesus says, where a man's treasure is, there his heart be also. He knows that the seat of everything important to us, whether that be goals, dreams, aspirations, um, that could be possessions. 
or memories. Everything that's important to us is at the seat of our heart. So the Lord says, if you're going to put any of this knowledge anywhere, put it in your heart. If you're going to put it anywhere, put it deep in your heart. He says, in order to know something, you got to go to your heart. Put it deep in your heart so that you'll know that it was me. I did this. I did these things. This is good. This is like, I, for me, for me I, I need this. Because although my father was my hero, he hurt me and my brother sometimes. He was not, he didn't make good choices all the time. He wasn't a saint. He was still a sinner, saved by grace, like any one of us. But I would never not tell you that my dad wasn't a good father. In the midst of all the things I couldn't understand, I would never not say that. So Jesus, or or God the Father, understanding this, says, put this knowledge And even the things you don't understand, the things that are tough for you to to, to comprehend, put those in your heart. Put those in your heart because I want you to know at root, at the base, I'm a good father. I'm good. The other thing that he does is I love is that he doesn't ask us to do stuff that's not in his character. He says, for 40 years, your feet didn't swell, your clothes didn't wear out. You weren't hungry. I mean, yeah, you were, but that was because of your thing. You was doing your thing. I fed you. I gave you clothes. Your feet didn't swell for 40 years. And they're ending that. You know what he's saying? He said, I just did all of this the whole way. So if he's saying, I did this the whole way, then surely, surely he could say, I need you to be obedient the whole way. I need you to do it the whole way. Does that make sense? Is everyone tracking with me? I think that it's, I think that it's like for God to have that kind of patience and for God to have that kind of resolve to follow them and to lead them and to guide them to hem them in behind and before and to provide all of them while they were like actively disrespecting him. Like Egypt was better. What? Bondage was better. To actually like, like for God to continue to provide for them. I say it's miraculous. That's a miracle. So that's point number two. How do we Praise God every single day, or more so when? In the miraculous. In the miraculous. When things, when, when, when something impossible was turned possible by his grace and his glory and his power, praise him then. Not just for the physical healing, even though that, that's, that's very important. Some of us in the room need physical healing. You praise him while you wait for it. Some of you are praying for that prodigal son or daughter to come home. It's a miracle when they do. You praise him until it happens. And then when it does, you praise him. 
We praise him in the miraculous. Let's go to verse 6. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Let's stop right there. I think to keep the, the hard part for this, the hard part about this for me is not the fearing him part. If I saw him make a divide in the middle of the ocean, manna fall on top of my head from heaven, water flow from a rock like a river. For me personally, fearing him is not something I think I would worry about. I'd be like, nah, you, you got it. <laughs> uh, I ain't messing with you. You got it. It's the walking in his ways part that's hard for me. So I don't know what that is for you this morning, but for me, that's the part that's a little bit difficult. But then I have to check his record. I don't test him. I don't challenge him. He's God. I fear him. But I do go back and I look at his record. Well, if he provided for us the entire way, and then he's asking me to do it the whole way, then I got to look at how he did it. Amen? This is where being like Jesus comes into play. I, I got I, I to start looking at the character of Jesus. I got to start looking at his character. And like, now you told me, to, told me to love my neighbor, but how did you do it? That's why we're here this morning. Amen? That's why we come to church to learn more about Jesus. He also says, he also kind of gives it to us plain in, in Micah 6, 8. He says... He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You start to learn more about him when you start to walk humbly with him. This is a simple truth. We learn the character of God by watching how he deals with us. And so point number three is, again, question, how do we do this every day, we do it within the mandate. In the mandate. Well, what's the mandate? Don't forget. That's the mandate of this chapter. Don't forget. We did this, we did that. We did, I mean, he's listing it out for you. We did this, we did that, we did this, we did. Don't forget how I brought you from bondage to freedom. Don't forget that I'm right here in the middle of it with you. Don't forget. Let's go ahead and jump down to verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. This is good. Lest when you have eaten and are full, we have built good houses and have a mortgage <laughs> and live in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up. Basically, then you have joy. Then you're happy. You got all the things you want. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house 
of slavery. We, we think oftentimes that we have like, we were the first persons to ever do something or to say something, to coin a phrase. But long before any of us existed, this is what God is saying. God is saying, hey, don't forget about me when you make it big. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't forget about me when you come into the land that I promised you and you got milk, you got honey, you got a mortgage, you're paid, everything in your house is prospering. Don't forget about me. When I, when I released my first album five years ago, I was, I was a little uh, jolted by the whole experience, a little jarred by the whole experience. And I had a lot of people come up to me and say, like, on the day I released my album, one of my, one of my dear friends handed me a Sharpie at the, at before the concert. And he's like, you're going to be signing autographs after this. You may want to. I'm like, I don't need that. Later on, people came up asking, for autographs. And they would say, they would say, like, don't, don't forget about us when you make it big. This is gonna be worth a lot of money one day. Okay. Like, like I love to see that day. Anyway, so like, so I'm like, there, there are people who are telling me that, but then there are also people who are like, hey, um, we love you. And we know that God has a plan for your life. Just don't forget where you came from. You see the, you see the difference? He's saying, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where I brought you from. Egypt was terrible. Does anybody have an Egypt that was terrible? I see, a, I mean, like, Egypt was horrible. Can you imagine being in the way you are now? Maybe, maybe you are in that season. And if you are, we love to walk alongside you. But if there are those who are like, yeah, Egypt was like a couple years ago, was like a decade ago. Can you imagine ever wanting to go back to that place? I would never. I, I don't know about you, but I, I would never go back to that place. But at the same time, God is saying, don't forget about me when you make it big. Sometimes the miraculous becomes monotony. And what I mean by that is it happens, you see the hand of God moving, he's moving all up and down the place and it's, it's great and it's great and it's great and it's great. And then one day you see the pillar of fire and you're like, oh, that's just Jehovah doing what he does. I've experienced it. First off, the fact that I'm alive is a miracle. Amen? Because anybody attest to that? The fact that I'm alive and in my right mind is a miracle. My grandmother would say I'm 84 and I'm alive and I'm in my right mind. That's a miracle in and of itself to be in your right mind, to not have gone crazy. Like I'm alive and I'm, that's a miracle in and of itself. But sometimes or most times, if not all the time, life is lived in the mundane moments. Life is lived in the mundane. Our life is punctuated by the miraculous, or sometimes by grief or mourning or, or, or things that like impact us as people, sure. But for the most part, life is like, wake up, go to work, kiss my wife on the way out the door, you know, 
take care of puppy and tell puppy a million times not to chew the turf. You know, basic, simple life stuff. So this is our next point. How do we continue to praise him every day? We praise him in the mundane. In the regular, most of your life will be in the regular. I'd probably, let me just, can I level with you here? I would probably be exhausted if I had to leave at Red Rocks every single day. I'd be very tired. And I probably wouldn't be standing up here. I'd probably sleep. Exhausted. Life, every one of our lives is punctuated by those moments where we saw the hand of God move or we got to see our fruit. But for the most part, it's lived in the the day-to-day, the hustle, the grind. Every single day. This is important for us to remember because he says something in Ephesians that I wanted to pull up that like kind of like wrecks me. I love this. He says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, he says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand the will of the Lord. When we say that in ascending, I'll give every day God as praise just to you. We're also including the days that are particularly uneventful and basic and normal. That's a part of it too. The basic, the normal, the average. There are more mornings... I'm going to level with you and be vulnerable with you again. There are more mornings where I'm like, meh, than there aren't. I'm a, I'm a very, like, passionate worshiper. I understand that. But I, I, don't, I don't wake up in the morning like that. <laughs> it's not the sound of music in my life every morning. I don't. I don't wake up every morning like raindrops on roses and whiskers. Good morning. Thank you, Jesus. More, more, more times than not, it's morning. More times than not. Not even on every Sunday morning. I'm going to really be vulnerable. Not even every Sunday morning is like raindrops on roses and whiskers. On. Most Sunday mornings is like, Like, it's like, it's not, I know I was just off camera. Sorry, Rand. It's not, it's not like, it's not like that every morning. But this worship and this praise that we give him has to cost something. Amen. David says in 2 Samuel 24, it's one of my, it's one of my, I feel like one of my life verses. David is away from home and, and another king is like, um, David's like, I got to make sacrifices. And the other king is like, oh, we'll just give you all the things you need for the sacrifice. And David says, I will not give to the Lord. It will cost me nothing. Like, it has to cost you something. Even in the mundane, it has to cost you something. 
Maybe it has. Maybe it has cost you something. And we're coming off of, or sometimes it feels like we're just kind of perpetually in it, two years of a lot of loss and a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain, lots of difficulty, things that are hard to process, things you just push to the back of the closet, you don't deal with it. And that's another way that we can worship him. That's another way that we can praise him in the morning with you. In the morning. There's no praise quite like the in spite of praise. There's no praise quite like the one where you're like, God, I, I got nothing left. I don't know what else to do. I sat up here in the middle of May in tears because I had nothing left. And then I'm like, I, I can't even sing my voices. God, I got nothing left. And God is like, that's awesome. I'll take it. You get me? And those moments happen Sometimes it feels like those moments happen more than the miraculous do. There are times in our lives where we have to really hone in. Even when we don't have anything to say, God, I don't have anything. I'm actually mourning what I don't have. And he's like, if you invite me into that, just invite me into that. You'll remember that the promise is my presence. There, let me tell you something. I, my dad was my hero. He was my hero, still is. And there's not, a, there's not a day that I look forward to where I'm like, you know what, I'm done mourning my father. I think I'm good. Pastor Kelly, would you agree? There's not, a, there's, not a, there's not a moment that's come to me that's like, yeah, I think I'm, he's been gone for some time now. I think I'm okay. That moment doesn't come, at least not for me. I get more at peace with him being gone, but for the most part, that day doesn't come. So I have to invite God's presence into something that I can't even see and remember that the most peace is right there in his presence. It's right there. Let me tell you something. This is, this is, if, I spent my whole life, if any of us spent our whole lives waiting on heaven and just waiting for it. Oh, everything will be all right when we get there. Everything will, that wasn't God's intention. It wasn't his intention for you to live a hellish life and then, and then get to heaven and everything be fine. If I lived my life like that, I wouldn't make it. But God, how do I get your presence closer? How do, how, how do I live this life with you walking with me and me walking with you? That's the whole point of this line in the sending. I'm going to give every day God his praises to you because if I don't, if I don't, this life is actually not worth living. If I don't. I know that's a very 
a polarizing thing to say. But if we don't worship in the morning, where else are you going to worship him at? Only when it's convenient. Remember, worship has to cost you something. Praise has to cost you something. So where are we going to do it? David says in Psalm 143, verse 8. Let's go there together if you have your Bible or your internet device. And we're going to get really practical because all of this sounds good until you forget. Remember, this is about remembering him and not forgetting. David says in Psalm 143, verse 8, he says, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. The last point is very practical, very practical. How do we do this? How do we do this day in, day out? Well, you start in the morning. You start in the morning. This is very practical. Like I said, not every morning for me is like, good morning, Jesus. Sure. And, and for most of you, I'm sure it's, it's probably not like that. But the fact that I even got up and said, all right, God, I'm going to give you the first moments of my day. Because you will direct the rest of my day. Let me tell you something. Even as a worship, even as a worship leader, as a worship pastor, I noticed the difference. I recognize the difference in my day and how it goes when I worship in the morning or when I give him my first fruits and when I don't. I recognize it. When I, man, I am a jerk when I don't get that time with the Lord. Even if I don't want to be in the presence of God for some reason. Like I, man, I'm short with people. I don't want to talk to nobody. I'm a toxic introvert. Like, leave me alone. Like I get really, really not pleasant when I don't take a few moments in the morning, literally when I wake up and say, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give you this first couple of moments. It's very practical. Very practical. Pastor Aaron, how do I start? In the morning. In the morning. I'm, I'm, I'm not a 10 chapters of Bible kind of guy. I don't like to read. I'm more of a 10 verses kind of guy. But when the Lord meets me, I chew on them verses. And I, I'd like, I go to that place with him. And then I start my day. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.